You are now listening to The Nosebleeds with your hosts, Corey Johnson and Kush Parikh. Be sure to check us out weekly every Monday and Thursday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, don't forget to follow us on social media on Twitter at the underscore nosebleeds. That's K-N-O-W-S bleeds. Also on Instagram at the nosebleeds and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash the nosebleeds. Yo, what is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Nosebleeds podcast. I am here with my co-host, Mr. Corey Johnson. Corey, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. Despite everything that's going on, it's still good to be here. It's still good to be able to do the show and always still good to be able to talk sports. So I'm all right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, let's start off with on this day in sports history. It is June 1st and Exactly a year ago from today in 2019, Mexican-American boxer Andy Ruiz Jr. produces a huge upset when he beat the champion Anthony Joshua in seven rounds at Madison Square Garden. He won the IBF, the WBO, and WBA World Heavyweight titles. Uh, This win made Ruiz the first Mexican heavyweight champion of the world. And believe it or not, he came into the fight as a plus 1,125 underdog that is insane yeah remember do you remember watching this fight i i I remember the hype for the fight and i remember so many people were just expecting this to be a setup fight for anthony joshua to defeat ruiz so he could get ready to fight deontay wilder but obviously with joshua losing no one expected that to happen, and Andy Ruiz got to strut his stuff, got to go on ESPN, got to go and party it up as the new champion. And, I mean, kudos to him because he exposed a lot of things that a lot of different uh, boxing aficionados had already said was wrong with Anthony Joshua's uh, his, his style and mm-hmm. the things that he needed to improve on. And so I think that was – Honestly, the best thing that could have happened to Anthony Joshua was losing to Andrew Ruiz. Yeah, I know it was huge in the Mexican community. Everyone was going crazy about it, and rightfully so. I would be too. So, um, well, actually, right now, speaking of uh, race, you know, this whole thing going on with George Floyd, um, and we hope everyone's staying safe during these times in L.A. and all over the country. We know a bunch of protests, and it's becoming a little bit more than protests, peaceful protests. So we just uh, – we're praying for everyone and hoping everyone that they're staying safe and yeah, sound. Yeah, absolutely. Stay safe out there. If you're going out to a protest, if you're just going outside in general, if you're going to work, wherever the case may be, please be safe. Please be safe. Put that first in – put that in the forefront of your mind to be safe with anything. Um, I just want to just, you know, go and just talk about the athletes that have been speaking out. Uh, Obviously you had Jalen Brown of the Boston Celtics went to the Atlanta protests with uh, Malcolm Brogdon. 
He drove also, 15 hours from Yeah, Boston he drove 15 that. hours, yeah. Yeah. So, uh the fact that he w- he was willing to do that, that was pretty pretty incredible. You also had guys like uh Lonnie Walker from the San Antonio Spurs. I saw a clip of him cleaning up some graffiti and getting involved with the community of San Antonio. Um you also had in the German Bundesliga uh guys like Jaden Sancho uh he he had a tribute to George Floyd after he scored a hat trick uh this past weekend. You also had uh US soccer star uh McKinney. He had an armband saying justice for George Floyd. And so many different other athletes out there have been paying tribute to George Floyd and have been voice let, letting their voice be heard as far as the whole situation regarding racism and regarding um, inequality. And I guess for me, uh, it's good to have people speaking out, but I think it's uh, important that athletes and celebrities should understand that um, while you have a platform and while you have so many different ways to be able to speak about, you know, certain things. Uh, Don't try to make this about you per se, you know, obviously don't try to make this about brand building or trying to put yourself in a position to where you can be seen sort of thing. If you don't have anything to say to me, that is not something that should be vilified because why be out here saying something that you have no business or you have no idea what you're talking about versus um, you just are, you know, content with, hey, I'm not familiar with this or I, I don't know what I should do here. Maybe I should just take a back seat. So either way, whatever people decide to do, I think there's going to be a consequence of your actions. So whatever people decide or whatever people uh, want to do with their platform, they have to be understanding that no matter what you do, there's always going to be somebody who's going to say, uh, you're doing the wrong thing. So you just have to look at it as whatever decision I make, I have to stick with it and be content with that. Yeah, I wonder if I can have said any better. Um, definitely has to come from the guy. I mean, you're seeing people i mean i i love the point that you made and i was going to say this as well as athletes and celebrities using their platform utilizing it to show the world what's going on and oh you do have those people that are you know just doing it for a publicity stunt but you can also see those people that are also doing it genuinely from their heart like you have people like lisa leslie the wnba pa like lebron james even brian flores the head coach of the dolphins uh and like you're seeing a bunch of people just doing a great job in bringing light to the situation and bring basically saying like it's not okay this inequality like black lives matter all that stuff like it's not okay this is not the social justice system we should be living in so kudos to them uh also one big thing that jed york the ceo of 49ers he donated a million dollars to local and national organizations who are uh, quote unquote creating change. So you love to see stuff like that. Um, I believe also J. Cole and Dennis Smith Jr. They attended protests in uh, their hometown in North Carolina. So 
you just love seeing these celebrities and athletes, you know, giving back kind of to the community and showing that, you know, they're, they're on the same level as us just because they make more money, whatever the case may be, they're still one of us and they shouldn't be treated any differently. Right. And just to piggy off what you're saying is like athletes and celebrities have the right and should be able to speak about, you know, whatever they want to speak about. And whether it's, you know, their brand or whether it's, you know, social injustice, whatever the case may be, you know, they have, you know, First Amendment rights, so they should be able to speak about what they want to talk about. But I guess it's just being aware and trying to just understand and figure out what can I add on or what can I do or what can I say or what action should I take in order to make a difference and there's a lot of different ways to go about it it's not this is the way you should do it this is what you should say point blank period that's the end of story if you're not doing this then you're not doing anything i mean a lot of people like to say that if if you're not doing this then you're a part of the problem if you're not doing that then you're a part of the problem if you're not speaking like this then you're a part of the problem if you're not posting on social media then you're a part of the problem but for some people they just don't know what they should do so, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's all about, like I've been trying to say, figuring out what lane you should take, what sort of action you need to do, and then rolling with that. And if you understand who you are as a person, then and, and you know your role in life, and you know how you are helping make a difference, then I think that's that's the best way to go about it is being content with the way with being content with what you what you're going to do and being able to say like hey I'm fine with my decision to do this that and the third all right so let's change gears and let's get into actual sports we got a lot to talk about um first thing we didn't touch on last episode that we wanted to say for this episode is the MLB. There's a lot of stuff going on in Major League Baseball right now. Uh, we don't even know if there's going to be a season this year. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's to that extent how crazy <sighs> this situation is getting. I mean, you have basically two parties, the MLB and then the MLB Players Association, obviously have to come together and make an agreement. They're both coming at each other with proposals, but you know none of them are really gaining traction right now. So I think within the next – couple of weeks we're gonna see how things kind of pan out and to see when we're gonna have a season if we're gonna have a season and what the guidelines of the season will be so uh well, last let's, well let's let's uh the main thing is money that's exactly the biggest exactly. thing so last last week actually mlb proposed that a big salary cut to top played players and everyone was just like um excuse me like this isn't, <laughs> this isn't even logical like how do you do something like this so basically the MLB came out last week um kind of they proposed a sliding scale which the highest paid players like the Mike Trouts the Garrett Coles Nolan Arenados they receive a larger pay cuts than those making the league minimum and uh, ESPN's Jeff Passan reported that these guys making around 35 million would be now making about 7.84 million dollars <laughs> So you see the drastic pay cut right there. That's about a 75% total reduction right there. Right. So, and, I mean, for those, and for those that don't get that, like that is a huge chunk of your salary. Like think about like if your salary 
just got cut like in half. Like you go from making like fifteen dollars an hour to like three dollars an hour. Like it's like what the heck? (laughs) Wait a second. And you're still gonna be doing the same thing, but it it may be in a shortened season, but you're still gonna be doing the same thing. You're gonna have to go training, you're gonna have to play the actual games, you're gonna have to uh, maintain your PR, like all that stuff, like yeah. while getting a gigantic pay cut. So it's, I mean, I get what the MLB was trying to do, but it was definitely illogical when it came to this stuff. Um, so, I mean, I think my, my opinion is, I think that this was their initial proposal and they don't want to start at something quote unquote logical, because I feel like that would have gave the MLB player association an upper hand. And, but the only problem is, is timing. Like, it's already June or in about a month's time, it's going to be, it would have been all-star weekend or all-star break when, uh, if, if it was a normal season. So, I mean, you're halfway, you're at the halfway mark and you're barely like still trying to figure out how to start a new season kind of a thing. So I think time is definitely not on their side. So they, they definitely need to come up with something, but what are your thoughts about this proposal? Well, the- well, like you were saying, whenever you're negotiating, you never put your best offer on the table first, or you never put the offer that would give an influence to the opposing side. You don't want to give the opposing side leverage right away. But like you said, the thing that the MLB doesn't have on their side is time. They want to obviously get things going. The players want to play. It's just a matter of money and safety and execution. Those are the three things that everybody needs to get on board with. How much money are players going to be making? How are you going to be able to keep players, teams, staff, everybody, how are you going to keep them safe? And how are you going to execute this? are, Are you going to go with the the three city idea of going with uh, three main states. I mean, three main states with the Arizona's, the Texas and possibly Florida. Yeah. You could go with that idea or like, what are you trying to do is what I'm saying. And they need to get like, they need to get on board with this and start making some traction and headway Otherwise, they might have to look up and be wondering, is there going to be a season at all? Or are we just going to keep going back and forth? Because negotiations happen every single day. We negotiate with one another every single day. It's a give and take. It's just a matter of how much are you willing to give and how much do you want to take? Because if you want to just, just go ahead and say, nah, I'm drawing a line in the sand and I'm not cross and you're not crossing this line. This is what I want. And if it ain't under these terms, then I'm not doing it. There's not going to be a season. <laughs> There's not going to be a season. So it's just a matter of what does the MLB players association want? And is the MLB willing to come to those terms and, or are they willing to find, some sort of middle ground. Right. And I think there was also another proposal. I don't know per se if it was by the MLB, but there's another proposal that people were talking about as a 82 game season. So a season cut in half 
which would begin on July 4th. And um, every team would adopt the designated hitter. Uh, uh, rosters would be expanded to 30 players instead of 26 players. Teams are built around their divisional play along with interleague play. Um, and postseasons would be expanded. So from 10 teams normally to 14 teams. So there's also definitely another offer on the table. But um, last night, Sunday night, that is, the MLB Players Association gave a proposal back to the MLB about 114-game season. Um, So the season would start on June 30th, end on October 31st, and players would have the right to opt out at any point of the season if they feel like, because of this whole coronavirus concern. Um, And then there would also be a potential deferral of salaries if the 2020 postseason was canceled. And again, an agreement to extend the postseason from 10 teams to 14 teams. Not only this year, though, they're saying for next year. So even wow. if there's a regular season next year, like a normal MLB season, 161 games, 62, sorry, 62 games, it'd be 14 teams instead of the 10. So what are your thoughts on that? That is an interesting proposal because I think the main thing is you want to be able to have a season like right away you want to be able to have a season you want to also be able to give give the give baseball fans something to look forward to going into next season as well so you don't just want to like i was saying you don't just want to commit to not seeming as if you're doing all you can to get things going because if one side is looking as if they're trying to get a deal done and then the other side is looking as if they're trying to get something that's in their best interest, there's not going to, it's not, it's not good for everybody that is hoping for baseball to be back. So overall, I think that this is an interesting proposal. Um, I want to see as things progress and I want to see, how long it's going to take for them to meet up again or to convene again and try to get things going and get like a set date and time for when they're going to get baseball back. But overall, I think the proposals are very much interesting. Yeah. And I, I think just to spice it up to, for the players in the player's perspective, other parts of the proposal are having a hundred million dollars per team split up amongst their players for their salary during a spring training 2.0. So they want to come back, have a little, the end of spring training, um, and then jump into the regular season. And I think this is where the proposal comes from a fan perspective. So they can kind of get the fans uh, behind their back is they want to have an additional commitment of having players mic'd up on the field. Because I, I don't know if you've seen it, but like when Mookie Betts was mic'd up during the all-star game, when uh, Mike Trout was mic'd up, all those guys, like, it was entertaining. Like and yeah. a lot of fans jumped on the bandwagon. Like, why don't we do this more often? Like there's so much, I mean, obviously there, I'm not knocking the focus in baseball, but there's so much downtime between the pitches and stuff like that. So where broadcasters can definitely talk to players. And I think it would make it really interesting for fans and viewers. So I think that's something to do along with other broadcast enhancements. And then also having an off-season all-star game or home run derby to generate additional revenue. Yeah, I think as far as the the micing up of the players, I remember watching a spring training and I think ESPN had the the Yankees 
And Brett Garner, I believe, was playing in the outfield, and they were talking to Brett Garner. And Alex Rodriguez and him were going back and forth, and they were just reminiscing over memories and talking about what their plans what their plans are after the game. And it, it was just really interesting to get that 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 personal vibe with a player like Brett Gardner, who I know has been in the league for God knows how long. Right. <laughs> and has been playing on the Yankees for a good time. So when you get to understand who these guys are, when you get to know them beyond just the realm of baseball, but you get to get into interviewing them and talking about like, what are you guys looking forward to about this season? And, um, you know, what are some of the pregame rituals that you do? You know, this, this, that, and the third, like all that type of stuff is going to be really entertaining to watch. And I think this whole thing, as far as miking up the players, really started to gain traction with the XFL. And when you saw in the XFL, the the things that you wouldn't normally see in a regular NFL or uh, MLB or NBA game situation. And so now that the this whole COVID-19 thing is going on, you kind of gain perspective as a like, okay, miking up players, not only do you get to hear in as far as what they're talking about on the court or on the field, but you get to hear the personal side to it. You get to hear the stories, get to hear where these guys come from, what, what made them get interested in the game, things of that nature. And all of a sudden you gain more people wanting to watch because, Hey, I want to watch because I want to know what is this player thinking at this particular situation and what type of pitch are they thinking about throwing at this particular situation or whatever the case may be. So it's definitely something that the MLB should definitely entertain. And I think it would do nothing but wonders for their sport. Yeah. I think definitely breaking that third wall between the audience and the players themselves. Exactly. I think that is a huge, huge aspect of the game that would exactly that because a lot of people there's, there's controversy that the MLB is boring and that's why like, because it takes so long to, to watch a game and that's why they're, they were thinking about implementing even a pitch clock and stuff like that to, you know, speed up the game. But I think if you, all this dead time in between, you're having en- stuff to entertain the audience, there won't be need for that big of changes. Right. So, it's not, it's not when you, when you're at a basketball game or when you're at a football game or any, or at a concert, let's just take sports out of it. If you're at like some sort of event, the thing that stops you from looking at your phone to see what time it is or stops you from looking at your watch to see what the heck time it is, is the fact that you can't take your eyes off the screen or can't take your eyes off what's in front of you. Cause there's constant action. Exactly. People lose track. You lose track of time <laughs> when, when things are engaging or like just editing this show, you lose track of time. <laughs> For sure. I think in today's day and age of social media and electronics and all that stuff, people's attention spans have shrunk ridiculously. Extremely shrunk. Exactly. Yeah. So exactly what you were saying. I think, you know, adding this stuff would definitely be breaking that third wall. And you'd be like, oh, wow, I didn't know that about him. That's kind of cool. Now I have a different perspective about this player now. Like exactly. you, can really turn, you can turn those quote unquote villain players to, you know, good players. They can quote the turn those good players to villain players. You know what I'm saying? Like if you know more about them and not just them as an athlete. Especially if it's like a controversial play. Like let's say um, an Perfect, umpire. perfect example. The Jonathan Lucroy, Jake Marisnik 
the right. play collision from last yeah. year. Yeah. If you have more of a perspective or even like the teammates perspective per se in game. Exactly. Like you said, I think it would just be a, a really good thing in MLB 100%. Just go ahead and put that in there. We got to have a season first for any of that to happen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so, well, the, so that's what I wanted to ask you is that what do you think will happen with the MLB this year? Do you think there will be a season at all? Do you think there there won't be a season? Or when do you think it's going to start? I think that there's way too much money on the line to not have a season. Like, there's – there's by the day, the longer this goes on where there's no season being – taking place for Major League Baseball – Players are missing out on money. Teams are missing out on money. And you really don't want to mess up your money. Everybody knows that. You don't want to mess up your financial situation. So a deal just needs to be coming, needs to come into place. And they just need to figure out what are we going to do. And once that gets settled, I think there will be a season. But it, ha- it just depends on how long the negotiation process will take. Because that could maybe take two weeks, three weeks, month. And so when that gets settled down, I would say that, yeah, we're going to have a season. It just, I, I think I would probably say maybe middle of July. Middle of July, I think, is when baseball could be back. Yeah, I, I think we will definitely have a season. But I also just think that this is bigger than just this season alone because it's also – if you think about it, it's a relationship between the MLB and the MLB Players Association. And it's, you know, they obviously want to have a season, but both sides want good for their own party. So we're still in the initial stages of of negotiation, but time is not on their side. And, you know, at the same time, the MLBPA needs to do what's right for their players. But if, you know, if they come to agreement that the, that the all, not all the players like, we could be potentially seeing an MLB lockout if th- th- that could be the case. And that could definitely damage the relationship between the MLB and the MLBPA if, don't, if both parties don't come to term. But so that's but something definitely to think major about. League, major League Baseball is no stranger to, to lockouts. No stranger to lockouts at all. So if there was to be just a complete – cancellation of the entire 2020 MLB season which some GMs have expressed that maybe and owners have expressed that maybe that's the right way to go just don't have a season but I guess that could be the route to go but I guess the thinking is that what does that do for you in the long run does that hurt you or does that help you as far as because because Public the, the public opinion of this is that like like you were already mentioning like baseball is some t- it's it's a sport that a lot of people enjoy and a lot of people enjoy watching, but there are some critics of baseball that say that they are so disconnected from what's going on in the real world, and so I'm just wondering if them not having a season what is that going to, to, to look like going forward? And how does that already damage a brand that is hurting already? Right. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, overall, I think like the main thing with the players is that they, they want to make sure that their safety and their money is not messed with. And talking about money, 
it's so good that a lot of different players and organizations are looking after the minor league players because as much as we you know talk about and give kudos to what the major league players do the minor league players right now there are some guys who are out of jobs completely like teams have just completely shut down their minor league facilities and that's the the money maker for a lot of the the players in the minors so David Price of the Los Angeles Dodgers and is making a point of helping out the minor league the minor leaguers and and he's I believe offering up like a thousand dollars for yeah, it's, it's uh he's and th- the crazy thing is is so he's giving up a thousand dollars to each minor league players who's not on the forty man roster. So that's over two hundred players in the organization that he's giving a thousand dollars to for the month of June. And crazy thing is, this guy hasn't even pitched a single pitch for the Dodgers, and he's already making such a big impact in the organization. Yeah, I mean that that goes a long way, and that just that that reminds me of like the Jordan documentary. When Michael Jordan decided, like when they when they talked about him going to baseball, he made it a point. I guess he did not want to be. Oh, I'm Michael Jordan, and I'm the star, and I'm this that. He just wanted to be a part of the team. He just wanted to be one of the guys. He didn't want any sort of quote unquote stardom, stardom, yeah, to overshadow what a lot of those guys are trying to get to the next level. They're trying to, you know, they're taking this serious. Like, they play baseball, if not their entire life, majority of their whole lives. So, they, they the fact that Jordan did that and, and, and wanted to just be a teammate and just wanted to support and didn't cross the picket line when the whole lockout situation was going on, they wanted him to just, you know, be a part of the replacement players. And he said, I'm not going to do that. So... To me, David Price doing this for the minor leaguers, it shows, again, that the star players are not digging up their chest and saying, oh, well, I'm this, I'm David Price, you know, like I, I'm a star pitcher for the Dodgers. I, why do I have to worry about what, you know, some minor league dudes got going on? He is letting it be known that I want to help out in any way that I can and help the next man and help the next dude who, doesn't have the same uh the same advantages that I do and the same level of money that I do so giving back is is much appreciated especially to those those guys that are in those uh circumstances where minor league baseball that was their that was their money maker and that was their way of being able to take care of themselves and take care of their families and now it's been stripped away and they're kind of wondering well, what do I do now <laughs> Right. Well, let let's just say hypothetically that there was no 2020 MLB season. Would you do you see more players doing this for their organizations? I think that yeah, I think a lot I think a lot more players would be willing to do it. I think it would just be a matter of how many players would start that trend of 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 being able to to help minor leaguers because all it takes is just like a handful of guys, and then all exactly. of a sudden, all, all of a sudden, all of a sudden everybody has to yeah, everybody has to piggyback off because they don't want to look like that one guy that's right. not helping. Like, out. oh, I'm making thirty-seven million, but yeah, you're good. I'm not gonna. 
kind of a thing. So yeah, I think once we start exactly what you said, I think once you start seeing that now David Price has, has done it, I don't, I wouldn't be surprised if another player does it and another and another, and it kind of sets off a chain reaction. Yeah. Domino effect. Yeah, definitely. A complete domino effect. Yeah. So kudos to David Price and kudos to organizations that are taking care of the minor league players and looking out for those who are in tough situations at the moment. 100%. So let's, we're hoping for MLB season. I think within the next couple weeks, we'll be gaining traction on uh, a better negotiation from the MLB and the Players Association as well. So within the next two weeks or month or so, we, I'm hoping that we get something by the beginning or mid-July. Fingers crossed. Hope for the best. Pray for the best. And all we can do is just watch and wait and see what happens. Yep. And watching and waiting and seeing what happens is exactly what this guy is doing. And that is Cam Newton, who is still a free agent in the NFL. Um, And and he's still a top name in the free agent market right now, I would say. I mean, obviously, he doesn't have the status as he once had in 2015, but he's still a solid player. I mean, he was released by the Carolina Panthers on March 24th. Uh, and he only actually played two games in 2019 due to a Liz Frank fracture. So, I mean, his market is slowly depleting, and this pandemic's not really helping the cause because I don't think teams are going to be wanting to sign a backup QB like Cam Newton because it's like we don't know if he's going to ask for a lot of money or if he's going to go the Jameis Winston route and just do a one-year deal. That's true. That's true. Rejuvenate his career kind of a thing. So what, what are your thoughts on Cam Newton's free agent market? So I initially saw a tweet that Ian Rappaport had put out saying that he was interested in taking a backup role. And so I was thinking that's interesting that a number uh, that a former number 1 overall pick, a guy who's used to being a starter is all of a sudden willing to just say, "Hey, you know what? I'll I'll sit on the bench. I'll be a backup guy." That's okay. I'm cool with that. As long as I'm a part of a team, I'm cool with that. And I, especially with it being Cam Newton, a guy who, when you see him come to the press conference, you know this dude is trying to be loud. He is trying to show out, and he wants everybody to say, hey, did you see Cam today? Did you see what the dude was wearing? It's did like, you see it's his like, hair? like Russell Westbrook. He's the Russell Westbrook of the NFL. Exactly. Great comparison. Great comparison. Both of them MVPs. Both of them got to the championship. Didn't win one, but both of them just love to be seen, and they love to wear very much outrageous outfits. But with Cam Newton, I said that the team that I think should be willing to take a chance on him the most out of any team is the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I said the Steelers because – You look at Ben Roethlisberger, how much more does he have left in the tank? How many more hits can he take? Not too many. And he's probably on his last, 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 last legs. I don't know how much longer he's going to want to continue to be an NFL QB. And then you look at Mason, a.k.a. Kyle Rudolph. (laughs) Mason Rudolph. Dentonhead. I call him Dentonhead. (laughs) Mason Rudolph. There's, look, there's a reason that the Steelers missed out on the playoffs. And it's not solely all on his shoulders, but the offense was very bad last season. 
one of, if not the worst offenses in the league was the Pittsburgh Steelers. I was shocked the fact that they went eight and eight, but I guess I shouldn't have been because they had one of the best defenses in the league. So I'm not saying that if you sign Cam Newton, bam, everything's going to start coming together. Cam's going to have a flashback moment. He's going to be going to have a Derrick Rose moment where all of a sudden he's going to be looking like his old self again. Nah, I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying when you have a guy like Cam Newton, who's still relatively young and still has something to offer and still has something left in the tank, you have that option of being able to sign him and being able to still compete and still have a good team instead of just allowing this team that has been usually in the playoff conversation year after year after year to just have a dramatic drop off. Like I don't see the Steelers being a team that is going to going to go the rebuilding route. They reload. There's a difference between teams that are constantly rebuilding and teams that just reload and just boom, get it right back together. And we're going to be making another playoff, if not Super Bowl run. So I think the Steelers, I think Mike Tomlin, he has he's the right coach that I think can can mesh with Cam Newton because he's he he's not just like hard like he he's he's stern and firm but he's also got some leeway about him clearly and so I think that meshing those two together and meshing the Steelers with Cam that would just be an interesting sight to see and I think the Steelers should be willing to take a chance but like you said it all depends on what does Cam want? Does he want a long-term deal? Does he want a one-year contract? And if no team is interested in right now, which I perfectly understand, then maybe Cam should just entertain the idea of just rehabbing and making sure that he's healthy and ready to go for the following season. Because there ain't no shame in just getting ready and staying ready. Because you never know when that call can come. It can come at any time. Guys get hurt all the time. And so you never know. A team can get desperate and just ring your phone and be like, hey, we love to sign you. We love to get you in here. And we saw what Ryan Tannehill did in 2019. Ryan Tannehill outperformed Marcus Mariota, and now all of a sudden Ryan Tannehill is the starting quarterback at the Tennessee Titans, leads them to an AFC championship game where they took the now defending Super Bowl champions, the Kansas City, Kansas City Chiefs, the distance. And so Ryan Tannehill pretty much revived his career. And what was he known for? Injuries. So maybe the same thing could happen for Cam Newton. I mean, there's a lot of, obviously, logistics and things that are maybe preventing that from happening. But I think Cam and the Steelers, I think that would, that would be an interesting thing to witness. Yeah, so so talking about his market a little bit, I mean, with Jameis Winston getting a one-year deal, with and he was he only got a $1.1 million base salary, and he is 26. Cam Newton's 31 and yeah. has, a his, like you said, a history of injuries. So, I mean, I definitely don't see a long-term deal coming, but maybe a one-year deal, you know, as a backup and potentially have a, maybe a chance in getting that starting role. Like you said, I, I actually have the Steelers as one of my teams too. And for all the reasons you said, pretty much, I mean, Mason Rudolph was terrible 
Duck Hodges was even was terrible. So, I mean, and the fact that they went eight and eight and almost made the playoffs is ridiculous. I mean, you, I, I see actually a lot of similarities in Big Ben and Cam Newton. And yeah, but, a lot of the, people have said that. A lot of people have said that. That's why I said like you could just maybe plug in. A lot of people also said that uh, with Jameis Winston, he was one of the guys that they were thinking that the Steelers would take a chance on as well. Yeah, I think it's definitely time for a new quarterback in Pittsburgh because, like you said, Big Ben is not getting any younger. So he, it, it, it's not looking good for their future right now. And I, a lot of people thought they would take even Jalen Hurts in the draft, and that didn't happen. So I think having Cam Newton there is definitely a great fit for them. But at the same time, coming off a Liz Frank injury, it's, it's no joke. For like, and him being such a mobile quarterback that Cam Newton is, it's it, yeah, the Steelers is is definitely a good pick, and he could potentially just propel them over that little hump as a playoff team. And plus, the AFC North is not getting any easier. The Ravens are the Ravens. The Browns could finally be getting their stuff together, and then the Bengals they got their franchise quarterback in Joe Burrow. So you don't know. That's what's the, yeah, happen. yeah. I mean, it's it's the AFC North. You don't want to. Because obviously right now the Ravens are top, and then you probably would say like the Browns and Steelers are fighting for that second sp- uh, position, but you blink and then all of a sudden maybe the Bengals start to get their stuff together, maybe the Browns start to get their stuff together. So you don't want to take so much time to where you look up and you're in the basement of your division, hoping and praying that you get that quarterback of the future in a draft. So. Which I, do, which I don't think will happen because I think the last time the Steelers had a losing record or no, the last time the Steelers had a top 10 pick in the draft was like somewhere in the early 2000s. Yeah. I've read some stat like that, that like the, I think the, the Patriots are the only other team with the Steelers that haven't, haven't had a top 10 pick in the draft because their records have always been uh, above. Their right. Bottom yeah. Yeah. Teams. They never allowed themselves to get that bad. Yeah, uh, a couple a of the teams that a, a couple of the teams that I actually thought were one of them being the Jaguars. I mean, now they've traded away Nick Foles. They're putting their future into Minshew mania. So, but shout out to Garner Minshew. But I mean, having Cam Newton as a backup plan, that, that won't, I, this isn't a terrible idea. Maybe Minshew doesn't pan out, and you just have Cam Newton there, a feasible backup, right there. That could, I mean, and especially now that. The Colts, they don't know what they're doing with their quarterback situation. The Texans right now, God knows what the hell Bill O'Brien's doing with that team. And, I mean, now the Titans are really the main ones in that division. So the Jaguars could step up and try to, you know, do something with that division. And then the third team I have is the L.A. Rams. I mean, they just paid Goff two years ago, and looks like he's been getting away with highway robbery with the way he's been playing. <laughs> um and they just lost Blake Bortles. So, I mean... Shout out to Blake Bortles. Everybody yeah. said it with the Rams signed Blake Bortles. Isn't it ironic? The Rams signed Blake Bortles, and all of a sudden, they just get worse and worse and worse mm-hmm. and worse. What's going on with that? And then, so maybe signing Cam Newton, a feasible backup, could maybe light a fire under Goff's ass and maybe hey, make I mean, play better. When, when, when the Ravens, you know this, when the Ravens drafted Lamar Jackson... Flacco, that, that first that, – that, that whole offseason, Flacco was like, oh, I got to get my stuff together. Like, and, and I need to make sure that I play on my A game. But I think, like, teammates were saying, like, this is the first time Joe's been in, like, 
like going hardcore in the offseason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but the big so, difference is, is that Jared Goff just got paid, still has a bunch right, of years left in his contract. Right, right, Flacco, right. He only had two years left. So they knew after that last year, all his guaranteed money was paid off. They can cut him. They can ship him. And they wouldn't be get, getting a, a cap penalty. So, yeah. That's just – that's a huge difference, though, because especially with the way Jared Goff's getting paid. He's making a lot of money. Yeah, and he is – he's their guy. Like, you already committed to him. And it, it just – with Cam's situation, I, I think that patience is key. Patience is key. Not everything just ha- is going to happen, like, right away. As much as you, you – you, when, when you – are out of a job and when you're just sitting at home or when you're trying to find something to do, trying to find something to take your mind off it at the same time, itching, you're just itching to get back. You're just itching to get back and you're hoping and you're praying and you know, like, man, it's, it's gotta happen. It's gotta happen. I gotta have, somebody gotta call me. Somebody's gotta call me. It's like, I still got something left to offer. I, and so I think with Cam patience is going to have to be key here. And you don't want to just the first offer that you get, just be like, all right, yeah, I'm, I'm just sign on the dotted line. Yep, 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 I'm good. You want to make sure that the, the offer that you get is the best situation for you. Because if it's the best situation for you, then you ain't got nothing to worry about. And I think that with Cam, um, he's made a, a ton of money. But at the same time, that isn't to say that he's just going to sign something on the cheap. So. I think with Cam, he needs to be aware of what he wants. What 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 situation does he want to go into? Like, what does he want to to go to a winning organization? Does he just want to get back to playing ball, or is he is he content with being a backup? Like, he needs to figure all that out and prioritize what he wants. Like the first, the first thing that he wants, one out of those main, out of those things that I mentioned, like what's the main thing that you're looking for, and that's what he should prioritize, go after, and seek with the next team that he signs for. Right, and I don't, I think playing the waiting game isn't a bad idea either because we see in the NFL season how many injuries to quarterbacks happen, especially and in preseason. Especially exactly. In preseason. So, so I mean, he can he if he weren't. If he w- wasn't going to be signed this offseason and he waits at the season, he would definitely be the number one quarterback in the free agent market. Oh, yeah. Most definitely. So, I mean, any, and, and, any, and, any starting and, quarterback that goes down, I think he would be the first one they would call. I mean, you even look at guys like Jadavian Clowney. Like, <laughs> allegedly, he had, like, this amazing offer from the Cleveland Browns, and he said, nope, I'm good. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to know Cleveland. Allegedly, that happened. Um, he, he says that it, it didn't, but at the same time, you don't just want to just say yes to any, any offer. You want to make sure that it's the right offer for you. I think that is the most important thing. Don't be content with just saying, oh yeah, I'm just, I'm just thankful to be here. And yeah, yeah. I'm just good to just have a job. Make sure it's the right thing for you, the right situation for you. Right. All right. So let's switch gears. Let's talk about, you know, looking forward 
to this upcoming NFL season because we're not even going to talk about whether it's going to be a season or not. Because if there's no NFL season, oh boy, I don't know what I'm going to do. Because <laughs> she's liable to do something reckless. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. So, so we're not even going to think about not being an NFL season because there's going to be an it's NFL gonna season. There's going to be an NFL season. Has to be. So with that being said, let's talk about one team in each division that intrigues you and that you're looking forward to watching this upcoming season. So let's start off with the AFC East. We got the we got the Bills, we got the Patriots, we got the um, the Dolphins, and we got the Jets. Who's your team out of those? The team that I'm most looking forward to see is the New England Patriots because the Tom Brady era is over. Maybe it's Jarrett Stidham so far. That's 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 the guy that we're assuming is going to be taking over under center for the Patriots. But who knows with Bill Belichick? Who knows? Who knows? But the, the, the Tom Brady era is officially over. It's going to be very interesting to see if this team is still able to move without skipping a beat now that Tom is gone. Obviously, we've, we, we know what Bill Belichick was prior to getting Tom Brady and what his NFL record was looking like without Tom Brady. Pretty bad. And so now that he is at this stage of his career, is he going to pretty much to turn into Greg Popovich in the NBA? Is he going to be a guy who is coaching a pretty average to below average team in, in, the, in the NFL? So that, that's, that's going to be a very intriguing thing because Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, that probably will maybe never, ever be another combination coach and player combination like that to where they're just dominating the NFL. And so to see that for about split 20 off. years yeah two decades and so to see that split off and to see now what Belichick has on his roster and especially what he has at quarterback this season is going to be very intriguing to see how the Patriots respond and especially responding to how they you know ended last season mm-hmm. yeah for sure I mean, and also, but the Patriots also still have a very solid defense. Not to, oh yeah, not to let's, let's, off, but, yeah. Um, so my team I'm going with is the Dolphins. Actually, uh, I, they're in their latter part of their rebuilding process. They got their quote unquote quarterback of the future, their franchise QB in Tua, and they also have Fitz Magic. But I mean, they, <laughs> yes, sir. The AFC East is as open as it's been in the last decade or two decades or so, and. I think now that, you know, they, they got their quarterback, their head coach, Brian Flores, actually, like towards the end of last season, he looked like he got his shit together and looked comfortable. That's the main thing. He looked comfortable in what he was doing. And they brought in so many names this offseason. Obviously, we have the two. And then we have – they have a nice one-two punch in uh, Jordan Howard and Matt Breida and re-signed Devontae Parker for a team-friendly deal. And – they bolstered up that defense. I mean, they got Byron Jones. They got Shaq Lawson. It, they, they, made, they made some very silent moves in the offseason. And I think now being in the latter part of their rebuild, I just want to see if they can take that other step or maybe even surprise us and take that step this year. Yeah, because uh, like, like you said, uh, they made some really good silent moves. Real G's moves in silent. Like everybody always wants to talk about the big – money moves or the big splashes, but it's those teams that make those just underlying moves, getting their team together, trying to get chemistry, trying to get guys who fit in and get the right pieces. It's all about getting the right 
pieces. And your front office has to understand that if you have a guy that is key to your organization and he and, and, and he plays well with your team and isn't a cancer to your locker room, you have to really decide, like, do, do is he a fit? Is he going to work? Do we want to continue to work with him? Are we going to have to pay him? Like, whatever the case may be. But if he is just gelling and your team is winning, then you really have to just go ahead and be happy with the moves that you're making because it's all about trying to win a Super Bowl. If you're not winning a Super Bowl, what are you doing? <laughs> if you're not trying to win a Super Bowl, what are you doing? So the Dolphins, like you said, look like they're getting it together. And so now if, if, if you start to look at them as a whole – Maybe on paper they might not seem like they're ready yet, but we've seen time after time. Who who thought that the Tennessee Titans were going to make it to the AFC Championship game? Like We've seen time after time teams will just come out of nowhere and surprise so many different people. And who knows? Maybe it's the Dolphins. Yep, for sure. And I also, Miami is not a bad destination. So it's... It, yes. When free agency hits, Miami will not have a problem with signing players, especially if I think this season is going to be a huge indicator on whether their free agent market, whether they can actually bring in free agents. Because if people start to like the culture that they're seeing from the Dolphins, they won't have any problem getting free agents. All right, let's move to the AFC North. We got the Ravens, Steelers, Bengals, and Browns. I'm going to go with the Browns, the Brownie Browns, um, the biggest thing brand new coaching staff I think that's the biggest thing um I mean they brought uh they brought the Kevin Stavansky Alex Van Pelt Joe Woods so it's it's very interesting I think that was their biggest thing is their play calling from last season and then also I would like Baker he he said he's finally gonna let his play do the talking and not to do the talking with his mouth who would have thought who would have thought that's what you're supposed to do? <laughs> <laughs> Walk it like I talk it, man. Walk it like I talk it. Yeah, and they actually – their biggest thing is that they strengthened up their O-line. Um, that was another big thing. Baker Mayfield they didn't have a lot of time in the pocket, but they drafted Jedrick Willis, and they got Jack Conklin from the Titans. And then, obviously, you still have OBJ, still got Jarvis Landry, and then now you added Austin Hooper to that receiving core who had somewhat of a breakout year last year with the, with the Falcons. So, and then also they had one of the biggest deals in the draft. I thought in Grant Delpit coming out of LSU, they got him in the second round and they definitely needed that safety position badly. And then they brought in Carl Joseph from the Raiders as well. So, but again, brand new coaching staff. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. Like you said, uh, the team that I got to go with is the Browns. Um, the, the, the biggest thing, that I felt hindered them from being able to to get to the postseason last year was, like you said, their play calling. And it's not to knock or it's not to, like, just completely go in on Freddie Kitchens or go in on the previous coaching regime. But how can you go at a guy when he had no – no clue what he was still that'd be like that'd be like if we were like instead of being a podcast we're 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 going to uh 
we're gonna be chefs. <laughs> Me and Kush are gonna have our own uh, uh, food truck. <laughs> it's like, do you know how to cook? It's like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'll be down. It's like, I, I'll I, be I, down. Hey, nosebleed food truck. Look out for it. <laughs> I know. And at each game, we only sell to the nosebleeds. <laughs> we only sell to the nosebleeds. No, but seriously, it's like the guy didn't know what he was doing. So, I mean, I can't really go that much in if he had no clue what he was doing. And so there were so many different times where Browns fans were just not totally upset with the play they were seeing on the field. They were upset at the play calling, at the decision-making. And that starts at the top with your head coach. If your head coach does not know how to create a winning culture, if your head coach does not establish from the get-go that this is what we're going to be doing, if he doesn't understand clock management, if he doesn't understand uh, situational football, you're, you're doomed to fail. Wow. Failing to prepare is, you know, dooming yourself uh, for, for game day. So I think the Cleveland Browns are a team that you got to watch just because it's been a pretty much quiet off season, a very quiet off season. And considering with the amount of characters that they have, Baker Mayfield, uh, Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry. I mean, you would be thinking that something would be chirp, 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 chirping out of Cleveland, but no, it's been pretty hushed tone for the most part this offseason. And I think that is something to be said and uh, a testament to, to growth. A lot of people talk about how, you know, Baker's a hothead, Baker is this, Baker is that, but maybe he's taking a step in growth, but it's to, to be determined. The jury is still out for me. Like right. I, like, like we said, walk it like I talk it, man. Like, I need to see it to believe it with Baker and the Browns. So two things to piggyback off of. First thing, the play calling. The infamous fourth and nine draw play. <laughs> That's all I got to say about the play calling. Color, color halfback drawn fourth and nine. The second thing about them being quiet in the offseason, they, they damn right better be with the amount of noise that they were making last offseason. And oh, not man. shit about it. How, how many times did you hear Browns are, go, are going to go into the Super Bowl? How right. many times did you hear that? And they didn't even, they just, we, a lot of people just assume, like, oh, yeah, I mean, you look at. Uh, on paper, you know, they look yeah, good. Yeah, you look at what they had on paper, and it's like, oh, yeah, they're guaranteed to make the playoffs. And it's like, but as, as everybody should know, there's nothing guaranteed in the NFL, so. Right. All right, let's move on to the AFC South. We got AFC South. We got the Titans. We got the Jaguars. We got the Colts, and we got the Texans. So, who's your team, Corey? The team I'm looking at has to be the team that just got off a run at the AFC Championship, and that is the Tennessee Titans. They just got done paying Ryan Tannehill his money. They franchise tag Derrick Henry, which I think was the right move. As as much as people will feel like, hey, you know. Derrick Henry's a homegrown guy. Why are you not giving him his money? He's a running back. And we've seen how many times have we seen you pay running backs a crazy amount of money and they burn out within the next two, three years. So franchise tagging. Yeah, exactly what I was thinking of. So who was also a former Tennessee. Exactly. exactly. (laughs) So, so uh, I think they did that. That was a great decision. And I think, they, they, they took steps. Nah, forget that. They went above and beyond last season. 
And so when you overachieve, the next season we seen with the Jaguars, I just want to see with this next season, are they going to have a Jaguars type of moment and just fall the heck off? Or are they going to be able to piggyback off of what they've already done? And maybe they could even take it a step forward. I mean, they, they, I just think that with Tennessee, Mike Vrabel did a really good job. And he's, he's been doing an extremely good job as the head coach. And I just think that with, with, with this team, they, they can't all of a sudden think like, oh, yeah, 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 you know. Like we got to the AFC Championship game. Don't be content with what you did last year. Forget last year. Forget last year. This is this year. So be focused on what you're going to do this year and be able to, 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 to just focus on, on and forget about your success and now think about, like, how do we continue this? How do we get even that much better? How do we take it one step forward? How do we get to a Super Bowl? How do we win a Super Bowl? And I think that's what I want to see out of the Tennessee Titans. Are they going to be able to have – going to push their success forward and beyond, or are they going to drop off? similar to, like, uh, their their rivals, the Jaguars, did. Right. I have the Titans as well, too. I mean, you look at this team last year. They were the hottest teams probably after the Ravens. The Ravens went on that crazy winning streak, but the Titans were right there. As soon as Tannehill took over at QB, they went 7-3. and three. And then in the postseason, had a hell of a run, too. I mean, and if you look at the roster, they pretty much have the same teams. They have some notable losses, like big ones like Delaney Walker, Deion mm-hmm. Lewis, Jarrell Casey. But – I mean, they get, they got Vic Beasley, and I think the Tennessee Titans is a very valid destination for Jadavion Clowney. Yeah, yeah, I was just thinking about that, like because a lot of people have been saying that that could be a realistic destination. If you look at that, that pass rush is going to be crazy if they could get Clowney and have already Beasley there. That's going to be crazy. That's going to exactly. be really difficult have, to do. They already have a great secondary in Adoree Jackson, one of the best safeties in uh, Kevin Byard. So, I mean, they have a very solid team. It's, and that that division is definitely for the taking. It's pretty open, if you ask me. So, I mean, the Titans just need to, exactly like what you said, not have a Jaguars moment and completely fall off the edge of the NFL, but actually maintain their hot streak. And, and like you up. said, like that division open. Houston – has been making some, let's say, interesting moves with getting rid of <laughs> D-Hop. So you have to figure that they're not going to be as good. Then you look at the Colts, question marks there, especially at quarterback. Is Phillip Rivers going to really be able to turn back the clock and be the Phillip Rivers of old? Don't know. And then, like you mentioned with Michu and the Jaguars, we're not really sure what's going on there. So, I mean, Tennessee is looking in the driver's seat as the team that should take that AFC South division. But, you know, injuries do happen, and we don't, you know, who knows? So we'll right. see what happens there. I mean, I think I think Derrick Henry potentially takes it up to another notch next level because he's on a contract year because he's definitely going to get that, that contract after this year. So I definitely could see. We could see some record-breaking numbers from him potentially. A la, like you said, DeMarco Murray. Like, yep. like before he got like paid, the dude was putting up crazy, crazy numbers in Dallas. What do you have? Seventeen hundred rushing yards or something like that? Yeah, he was going. Season? He was going stupid. He was yeah. going really crazy. All right, let's finish up with the last AFC uh, division, the AFC West. We have the Raiders, the Broncos, the Chargers, and the Chiefs, the Super Bowl defending champion Chiefs. Um, I'm gonna. I'll go first. I got the Broncos. Actually, I think. 
It's a Drew Lock era now. Yes, All sir. Drew Lock. Yes, sir. Uh, went four and wasn't as it started last year, and now they have a three-headed backfield with Melvin Gordon, Philip Lindsay, and Rolls Royce Royce Freeman. So I mean, and and they got more protection as well uh, in the draft, and then got Graham Glass now. So and I think this is my favorite part about them: their receiving core. That receiving core, stealing Jerry Judy in the draft. Then you yeah. already have Courtney Sutton, who had a breakout year last year. And then Shout a- out to Courtney Sutton, one of my favorite guys in fantasy. That dude <laughs> carried me for the latter stages of fantasy. That dude was carrying me. Thank yeah, you, him, him and Drew Locke definitely have a chemistry. At that, so that's, that's good to see if you're a Broncos fan. And then also another very silent pick they made in the draft is K.J. Hamler. So they, their offense is looking good. Looking good, and especially in a division like the AFC West, where you have the Chiefs that are just going to be running up the numbers on offense, you got to build your offense to kind of keep uh, keep at par with them. And especially if you see them two times a year. So, and defensively, they added Jarrell Casey from the Titans and AJ Boy. So, who was who's going to be Chris Harris's replacement? So, I mean, they did lose Chris Harris, which is a big loss, but AJ Boy is not a terrible replacement. Not at all. Not at all. But um, I think the team I, I, I got to be looking at is the defending Super Bowl champions, Kansas City. Andy Reid finally did it. He finally let's – give a, let's give a clap for Andy Reid. Let's give a clap for Andy Reid, man. Shout out to Andy Reid, man. Everybody was always, always, always criticizing Andy Reid. Uh, Kansas City better make a hamburger. Just call it Andy Reid. <laughs> Just call it Andy Reid, Just call man. it Andy Reid. Call it Andy Reid because – so many times throughout his career, we've seen it, like, uh, against New England in the playoffs, forgetting clock management, forgetting how much time was left on the clock, forgetting how many timeouts oh, you have. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yeah, so, I mean, Andy Reid has been – I don't – he didn't use a single timeout in the Super Bowl. Yeah, he didn't use a single timeout in the Super Bowl. Didn't need it. <laughs> didn't need I, I know, didn't need it, but it's like, it's like you're not surprised. That's a very Andy Reid thing to do. So, I mean – Andy Reid finally got it together and was finally able to get over that hump and get that Super Bowl as a head coach. So I think the main thing with this team is not falling in the Super Bowl hangover. So many times teams, you know, do all that celebrating. And with a team like the Kansas City Chiefs, who haven't been there in a long, long time, haven't been at the top of the NFL in a very long time, you can easily see this team being expected to have a major drop-off this year. Uh, I, I wouldn't be shocked whatsoever if maybe out the gate in like the first month or so they have some early struggles, but who knows? I think the main thing with this team is they can't get too big-headed and they can't just think like, well, you know, we're the defending champs. We can rest on our laurels. There's going to be a lot of teams coming after you. And a lot has been said about, Patrick Mahomes is the greatest quarterback in the NFL and Patrick Mahomes is this and Mahomes is that. And so you're, you're, you are now going from being the hunter to the hunted right now. And I think the chiefs really have to be prepared for what is going to be coming at them in this upcoming season. Otherwise they're going to fall victim to that Super Bowl hangover and they're going to have a tough time similar to like the Eagles, uh, like right off there, their, their Super Bowl win. Everybody's expecting this team to follow it up. And they struggled mightily in the next season. So, the, the Chiefs, think, have, yeah, the Chiefs have to understand that um, winning the first one is tough in itself, but 
but getting back there is even harder. I think a true test to whether they'll have a Super Bowl hangover or not is definitely that week three matchup against the Ravens on Monday Night Football. So that'll, oh, yeah. be, that'll be a fun one to watch and see. And their schedule is filled with so many different tough matchups this mm-hmm. year. So the, the, the fact that the defending Super Bowl champion gets one of the toughest schedules on the docket is <laughs> going to be – it's going to really prepare them for the, for the postseason, no doubt. Especially also they got a matchup against uh, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers as well. Mm-hmm. So. All right, now let's move on to the NFC. We got – let's start off with the NFC East. Uh, let's, you want to go first? Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys, they did some great things as far as getting another weapon for, for Dak Prescott. They still have one of, if not the top offenses in the league. I just the biggest question mark has always just been the the coaching with Jason Garrett and the defense. If they are able to get that together, there is no reason whatsoever why this team cannot be at the top of not only just this division, but the the league. Yeah, same thing. Cowboys and and exactly to what you said is the new head coach and Mike McCarthy will see how how Dak Prescott, Zeke, all them, and then adding another weapon in CD Lamb, an absolute steal in the draft. Um, but they have a lot of underlying issues behind the scenes that they need to figure out. But I think once they figure all that out, the division is theirs to lose because their division is the weakest in the NFL, I would say, because the Eagles are always a wild card. So we never know about them. The Giants, they're still in the rebuilding process. And then the Redskins are a shit show. So... <laughs> The less is said about them, the better. So Yeah. I mean, but but like you said, the defense is the biggest thing is they had one of the worst de- – obviously they had the best offense, but the one of the worst defenses in the league, and they just lost one of their best players in Byron Jones. I mean, they added Trayvon Diggs. They added HaHa Clinton Diggs. So, and potentially, like we said at last episode, trade for Jamal Adams, maybe. So <laughs> Jerry yeah. Jones is trying to work. In, 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 trying to work. He's trying to work. Trying to get the deal done in silence. Yeah. And I think they actually – a big thing, a very – underrated thing is they have a consistent kicker now in Greg the leg Greg Zerline I think oh yeah 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 like kicking in a dome now like or not a dome an indoor stadium now it's like it's it's a big difference so I think Greg the leg is going to do great things for them all right let's move to the NFC Norris we got the Packers the Bears the Vikings and the Lions so I go I'm going with the Bears I don't even know where to start with this team (laughs) Like you go, you go from a double doink away from, from they, their whole history can be written differently, but because of a double doink, they're in the situation where they're in right now. Oh my god, double doink! So I don't even know where to start with this team. Um, I guess I'll start with the QB situation. Oh boy, God knows what the hell Mitch Trubisky is doing. Um, they bring in Nick Foles. I don't know. It's a light of fire under his ass. And <laughs> have a backup and potentially a starter. Hey, hey, hey! No shade to Nick Foles. That that dude's probably gonna go down as one of the greatest backups Bro, of all time. That's that's Big Dick Nick right there. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and then also with their backfield, I mean, I think it's high time they start feeding David Montgomery. Dude was in my fantasy team and was not getting no touches. I'm like, he, yo, he, he was such give a him the card. ball. He was such a wild card to, to just have as a player, a fantasy player because 
there'd be games where he'd have 22 attempt, rushing attempts and he'd run for maybe 130 yards. And the next week, the guy has five rushing attempts for 20 yards. And it's just like... Don't get it. Exactly. Get it. And then it's another guy who was on my fantasy team, Allen Robinson. I'm like, oh my God, dude. Like, give yeah. him the ball. It would be games where it'd be like... Well, that's Mitchell Trubisky. Is he going to get a catch? Is he going to get a catch? Can he please get a catch, please? Can he get a catch? All right. And you'll have those random Anthony Miller games where Anthony Miller goes off and Robinson doesn't do shit. But, yeah, I mean, Khalil Mack isn't getting any younger. He's in his prime, so they need to get their shit together. Oh, man, the Bears. But the team I'm going to uh, go with for the NFC North has got to be the Green Bay Packers. They drafted Jordan Love. <laughs> Shocker. But I think with the Packers. I would hate to be a Packers fan. Right that, now. That's, 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 that's a tough situation for the Packers to understand that you have Aaron Rodgers and he's just begging and pleading for playmakers. <laughs> he's hoping that he can get, you know, it's like, I would love a CD Lamb. I would love a Jared Judy. <laughs> I would love somebody. I would love, I would love something like that. Even a T. Higgins. Give me T. Higgins from Clemson. <laughs> like, give me somebody, bro. But the, the Packers, I think, year two, uh, under, under this uh, Matt LaFleur coaching staff, is going to be very interesting to see because they were one win away from getting to the Super Bowl. And despite all the talk of Aaron Rodgers. Do we consider that one win? Because I felt like they would have to win two games to beat those 49ers. They <laughs> yeah, demolished the yeah, Packers. they demolished them. Yeah. You might have needed two wins for that game. I don't even know. Might have had to play a seven-game series. For real. But, but, but no, the Packers, they were so close. Despite everybody in the media talking about how much LaFleur and, and Rodgers hate each other and they, they, they have a terrible working relationship and – and, and there being just so much drama surrounding Green Bay, this is a big-time season for the Packers when you really think about it. A, you cannot afford a regress year. You have to be able to go forward and be able to at least get back to the NFC Championship game. You would have to suspect, like, if you don't make it at least back there, you have to start questioning, like, what are we doing here? Like, are we trying – like, I'm sure Aaron Rodgers asked that on draft night. What are we doing here? Are we trying to win or not? Like, so well, – I, I think, think he got his answer that he's – his career there is not going to be – Not He's not going to end his career as a Packer probably. Exactly. So, but Green Bay, I think this this is going to be a very interesting season for them, especially coming off the this uh, this, this draft. Right. All right, now let's move to the NFC South. We have the Panthers, the Falcons, the Buccaneers, and the Saints. I think I'm going to go with the Buccaneers. Um, I think this is going to be the team everyone is going to be watching this upcoming season. You got the Tampa Brady's. You got the Tampa Bay. <laughs> Tampa. Tampa. So we'll see. I think this is definitely the best wide receiving core that Tom Brady has ever had. Chris Godwin. <laughs> you got, you got Mike Gronk, Evans. Gronk. Chris Godwin, Mike Evans. Yeah, so we'll have to see what's going on with that. Um, and then also they drafted Tristan Wirfs. Solid draft pick. I liked it. And then their defenses act- actually came together last year. Shaq Barrett had a breakout year. Breakout year. And then uh, Devin White, he had a hell of a second half of the season when he was actually healthy and 
So we'll just see. I think the biggest question for them is their secondary. Mm-hmm. Secondary has always been a question for the last four. Oh, yeah, I would say three, four years. Like they had a chance in getting Derwin James, which I have no idea why they didn't get Der- Derwin James. But hindsight, twenty twenty, right? So, mm-hmm. well, who's your team? Team I'm rolling with is the team that I keep for whatever reason. Like these past, I want to say, three years. I thought they would get to a Super Bowl, at least one, right? The New Orleans Saints. What the heck, bro? I mean, what was it? You had the Minnesota Miracle that <laughs> denied them. You had the pass interference two seasons ago, and then last season, uh, the push-off. <laughs> what's, so many- wor- well, what's worse, being a Saints fan or a Packers fan? I mean, I don't, Bears fan. I, don't I don't know. know. I don't know. I'm so glad I don't have to experience that because I'm like, yo – that's tough, man. Yeah, for that's so, bad that's so luck. tough. Like, and you just look at their roster. Like, they have one of the best offenses. They have Alvin Kamara. They have Drew Brees. They have um, <clears throat> Thomas at wide receiver. And now you have Emmanuel Sanders. So, I mean, like, the offense is no problem. It's just this defense, bro. Like, come on. Like, this defense, you, you, you got to be able to stop somebody. Like, obviously, the NFL has become more so a league where the team that uh, just racks up the most points is going to win the game, obviously. So, but with the Saints, you kind of have to ask yourself, now that Tom Brady is coming into the fold with Tampa Bay, uh, did they just miss their window? <laughs> did they miss their window? Because you have to figure, outside of those two teams, Atlanta, eh, and, and Carolina. Carolina's I mean, full rebuild. They're, yeah, I mean, hey, shout out to Teddy Bridgewater, though. I mean, I see you. I mean, that dude did Teddy two gloves. Yeah, I mean, so I was, I was, I was really, I was really proud of Teddy, you know, being able to get that, <clears throat> get his money and go ahead and sign with uh, Carolina. But overall, I think the NFC South is, it's just going to be a battle between Breeze and, and, and Brady at the top with the, the Bucks and Saints. And if the Saints, let's say, have to get a tough matchup because they miss out on not getting the, the division. It could be another year of heartache for Saints fans. Right. All right, let's move on to our last division. We got the NFC West. We got the Niners, the Seahawks, the Rams, and the Cardinals. I'll let you go first, Corey. Who's your team? All right, I'm going to go with the Arizona Cardinals. Kyler Murray did some things last year. I mean, a lot for all that was said about, like, Cliff Kingsbury and – him coming into the league and everybody was talking about Kyler Murray's too short and is he going to be able to cut it? You know, things of that nature. Kyler Murray had a really, really solid first year in the NFL. And now you add DeAndre Hopkins into the fold and into the mix of things. And I think that their offense is going to be very intriguing to watch. And we've seen so many, so much rotation occur in this division. The only constant is the Seattle Seahawks. But outside of that, we've seen the Niners go Number from two one, pick yeah, to the Super Bowl. Yeah, and we've seen the, the the Rams go from one year of complete Jeff of Jeff Fisher to Sean McVay, and then all of a sudden go into a Super Bowl. So I'm not saying that the Arizona Cardinals are Super Bowl bound next year, but. This is the sh- biggest wild card division. In I would, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked if the Arizona Cardinals turned some heads for yeah. sure. 
I'm 100% with you. I'm a, I got the Cardinals too. Um, I think this is the best division, the toughest division in the entire league. Um, you have all four teams now, I would definitely say, are all playoff contenders. So it's tough. You add DeAndre Hopkins, which I absolutely love, and they got for a steal. Kyler <laughs> just giving weapons. But the biggest thing that I do have a knock against the Cardinals is they didn't do anything to their O-line, really. And I think Yeah, and that was the major criticism because even when um... – even when they had Josh Rosen, like everybody was talking about, like this kid's gonna get killed when when he takes the field. Right. And lo and behold, like that was the case. Like the only thing is that you swap uh, Rosen out for uh, for Murray, quarterback. And yeah, he can run around and then be able to get out the pocket and stretch, you know, the defense. But does why does does he have to do that every single play? That's, yeah, know? that's what I'm saying. And it's like, yeah, you don't know injury potentially all it takes is that one hit yeah exactly we we don't yeah we don't want anything happening to kyler and then on defense they got my favorite rookie i'm looking forward to isaiah simmons this guy yeah they said a dude is he's he's probably considered the best player in the in this past year's draft when i heard somebody say that yeah um yeah i mean isaiah simmons is a beast and you look at the cardinals i think fantasy perspective wise Whoever was playing the Cardinals, I would just pick up their tight end and play them. <laughs> they, were, they were getting you at least 15 fantasy points, at least, because that's least. how terrible the Cardinals were against tight end. So adding a guy like Isaiah Simmons is that difference maker. Plays, he could play strong safety. He could play middle linebacker, outside linebacker. He could play nickel corner. This guy does everything. So really looking forward to watching him play and seeing how these Arizona Cardinals do against a very tough NFC West also, shout out to Larry Fitz, man. Fitz still Old man still, Fitz, bro. Still going strong. Still going strong in the Some league. Some of the best hands in NFL history. Still. Still, dude. That's crazy. Fitz, man. Shout out to Fitz. All right. Well, that is going to do it for this episode. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure to check us out on social media, on Twitter, at the underscore nosebleeds. That's K-N-O-W-S bleeds. On Instagram, the nosebleeds. Facebook, check us out. Search up the nosebleeds podcast. We're over there. And uh, if you're on, if you're listening to Apple Podcasts, feel free to give us a five-star rating. It really helps us out. Write a review if you're feeling generous. And uh, that's it. And we out. We out. Y'all Peace have a good is. one. Stay safe, y'all. Stay safe, yes. Peace.